after looking at the slate of games, really, it's just hard for me to, to sit here and think I'm going to sit here. Well, yeah, I probably will watch it Thursday night, won't you? It's football, right? I mean, Northwestern Purdue is by far the only game I have real genuine interest in. I mean, I, I would be interested in Wake Forest Tulane, except Wake Forest starting quarterback suspended. Um I mean, I'll watch UCF Connecticut up until Northwestern Purdue starts just to see UCF's offense for, you know, an hour. Um, outside of that, I mean, it's it's Northwestern Purdue with Clayton Thorson against Jeff Brom. You know, uh, it, it, it's a weak Thursday. I'm really surprised there isn't an SEC game. Um, Friday, on the other hand, has some good games. Yeah, I'm interested to see Stanford. Watch out for upset alerts. San Diego State coming in. Um, that should be a good one. I'm not gonna say upset, but it could be it could be a good one. Michigan State, Utah State, that shouldn't be close. But again, how good are these big ten offenses or any offense for that matter this early in the season? So these big point spreads on these games. I kinda like taking the underdogs in these games like this, but first games. What about you? Do you like betting favorites early or, or underdogs? I, it all depends on the matchups. Um, I have found, though, that with some of these bitter spreads, um, you, you can really hit home. I, the nice thing is that early in the season, uh, Vegas hasn't exactly – I mean, they've gotten better, but they haven't caught up uh, as much as like some of us have. So you can really get steals here and there where, where, you know, let's say a team's laying three touchdowns when they should be laying five um, or or something to that nature. But, you know, I mean, it's like Western Kentucky, Wisconsin. That's one of those games where it's like Wisconsin might win 42 nothing, or they're just going to piddle around and win 21 nothing. You're just not certain. Whereas, I, you know, you look at a game um, – like UCF Connecticut, UCF should smoke them. We know this. Everybody knows this. You know, whatever the total is in Syracuse, Western Michigan, if it's below 80, you got to take the over just because that game's going to have an insane amount of points. Just like the Army Duke one, if it's under 40, you got to take the under just because neither one of those, you know, unless Duke just absolutely explodes on Army defense, um, you know, it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think, you know, for a lot of these games, you're looking more at totals than you are spreads. But, you know, Oregon State, Ohio State, I don't know what the line is, but you take Ohio State. Alabama's favored, what, 37 against Louisville? You lay those points all day. I know the line's big. It must be like you don't lay a, a spread that big. But when something looks like a gimme, you got to take it. Yeah, and that's, you know, you know, I think we've talked about this many times. And I said that to Clay Travis. Alabama's favored 25 and a half. But, but when a line's that big, and, and you look at Louisville's name, you know, Louisville's a pretty good name. They've had Lamar Jackson the last few years, Bobby Petrino, and Alabama's not known for their offense, really. But 25 and a half, I think a lot of people will fall trapped to the sucker bet of taking Louisville, and that game will be 24 to nothing at halftime or something, and your, your bet's gone at that point. Alabama doesn't lose second halves unless they're playing Auburn. Uh, but anyway... But Louisville is I'm, – I'm taking Bama in that game. And, again, if it was 37, I would take Bama in that game, Jonathan. That doesn't – I think Bama will win by as much as they want to. And watching Tua, the way he played, um, 
last year. I mean, this Alabama offense could be lethal, and I think people aren't thinking about that too much. They're just thinking the old Alabama run it, grind it, uh, play good defense. I don't know if Louisville scores a touchdown in this game, to be honest with you. I know they have an inexperienced secondary. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure we'll break down these games tonight, but I don't know. Jonathan Louisville's going to be pretty bad losing Lamar Jackson. I don't think you can lose a quarterback of that caliber, that Michael Vick kind of caliber, and not have a drop-off. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I mean, you look at Lamar Jackson, and he is he, he was a transcendent talent at the college level, like you said, like, like a, a Michael Vick. Uh, even to the point where you look at, you know, other quarterbacks who walk, who are in situations like that, such as, um, you know, guys like Drew Brees or Kirk Kittner, uh, you know, where they really elevated a program to a level and then it hasn't been able to reach that level since. Um, you know, so I think when losing Lamar and LaPuma pass, um, you know, he's not a bad quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. This is going to be his first start and, Unfortunately, it's in Orlando, which you can call it a neutral site all you want, but we know there's going to be more Bama fans than Louisville fans. And against an Alabama defense that, you know, they're going to come after you. They're going to get after you. They force turnovers. They wreck havoc. And, I mean, to Louisville secondary, like you said, inexperienced, um, inexperienced to put it kindly, a defense overall that really wasn't that good. I mean, it's the same a defense that gave up over, what, 300 yards rushing to uh, A.J. Dillon of Boston College last year. So Bama could just have their way with them. This is almost building kind of like that Vanderbilt game last year where, you know, a lot of people got suckered into Vandy plus whatever, and it was like, well, look, here's the deal. It's Alabama, and Alabama's going to, you know, put on a show at some point. And this, you know, being a marquee game, you know, with all the, the doubters that they have faced and being in Orlando is going to mean a little extra something to them, whether Bama fans want to admit it or not, they want to win in UCF Stadium um, just because of the little back and forth they've had. This is this is setting up to be ugly, and that's why it, just, it absolutely baffles me that that's the primetime game on Saturday uh, for ESPN. Yeah, how is Auburn and Washington not the primetime game? Or Michigan-Notre Dame. I mean, I could even live with Michigan-Notre Dame. It's a primetime game. What time do they play? Uh, 7.30. It's on NBC. Well, that's the problem, the contract right there. Yeah, that's that NBC contract with Notre Dame. Um, yeah, but, I mean, Louisville – here's the deal, guys. ESPN, somebody – you know, the chapstick comment, Jonathan, did I send that to you? I should have invested uh, in chapstick because ESPN must use a truckload over the day as much as they kiss Saban's ass. I mean, just <laughs> anything he does is like just like a just a god or something. I'm sick of ESPN and they're falling apart anyway. We don't have to worry about ESPN too much longer. They will not be in existence. But I mean, they all they do is kiss Saban's ass. That's all they do. That's that's all they do. And they they're playing this week every Alabama game of 2017, but they left one out, Jonathan. Guess which one they left out? They're not showing. Uh, uh, huh. Um, the, the Iron Bowl. I'm going to say, can you give me a hint? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it starts with an, an ass whipping and ends with it. 
and uh, that's that should have kept Alabama out of the playoff, but it didn't because people just worship Nick Saban. He can do no wrong. So anyway, that Louisville game is going to be a joke. The ratings for that game. Let's let's look at the ratings for Alabama Louisville compared to the ratings for Auburn Washington. It'll be interesting to see. You'll have a lot of people view that game just because it's Alabama, but how long are you going to watch it if it's 28 to nothing in the first quarter or second quarter? So I'm, I bet the ratings mm-hmm. for that game will be pretty low. Yeah. No, now, the Auburn I mean, game, I think... on the other hand, the Auburn game is going to be close, I think. So I think a lot mm-hmm. of people will tune in for that one. That's going to be a one-score game, I believe. Oh, and I think part of the reason ESPN stashed – uh, Washington Auburn at the 3:30 slot is so they wouldn't have to go up against Michigan Notre Dame, knowing that game's going to draw an insane rating. Um, you know, and their their big competition at 3:30 is going to be Tennessee West Virginia. So really, the day sets up for everybody to essentially watch Washington Auburn and then go to Michigan Notre Dame. I, I think this was actually one of the few times that they were smart with how they scheduled and programmed it, but I mean, I, I just, because everybody remembers, what was it, week two last year, where they had five great games on at primetime. You had, what was it, Clemson-Auburn and Georgia-Notre Dame and USC-Texas and Stanford and, or maybe it was Stanford-USC, whatever. All those games were on at the same time, and everybody's like, yeah. why would you do this? Space it out. So it looks like they actually spaced it out correctly. You know, I mean, we're getting the game everybody wants to watch at noon with Florida Atlantic-Oklahoma, then, you know, you have your 3.30 game. Then you have your, your night, you know, your night game. And then even for a nightcap, we have BYU at Arizona, which is Khalil Take's first exposure this year for his Heisman buzz. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually somewhat impressed with how they did this. It just, it, it, it kind of, you know, and I get it, Michigan-Notre Dame wants to be a night rivalry now. But, I mean, I just, I would have expected ESPN to fight NBC a little bit for that primetime slot. I just can't understand how Notre Dame is an underdog at home in this game. I just I just can't. I mean, Notre Dame got better last year as the season went on. What was their record last year? Was it 9 and 3? Uh Notre Dame last season had a really great start if you remember. Uh, they were undefeated going into Miami. And then oh, they yeah. got whooped by Miami. Um, they eat by Navy. They got whooped by Stanford. And, and you know they won. Yeah, they they finished ten and three after beating LSU in the Citrus Bowl. But I think the whole reason why Notre Dame's an, a dog in that game is because people still aren't certain about their quarterback position. Where for Michigan, we've all seen Shea Patterson. We all know Shea Patterson's good. So there, there's a trust factor there. And we know, like, Michigan's probably, you know, Michigan had a top-five defense last year. They're probably going to have a top-five defense again this year. Uh, you know, the, the yeah. big thing for Michigan is they just lost probably their top receiving threat uh, to Reek Black with, to a broken foot. Don't you love those preseason injuries, man? Ugh. But, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about these games. Um want to go first to – I just want to get your thoughts on that Urban Meyer press conference. We haven't covered it yet. We talked about Urban Meyer the other night. He comes out, Jonathan, and embarrasses himself, the school, and anybody that's a coach. Um, Did you see the press conference? Did you watch it live? 
No. No, 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 no. I wasn't. I was just waiting to find out how long he'd be suspended. And lo and behold, he was suspended. It was a game longer than I anticipated. I, once I thought about it, I'm like, okay, that makes sense. And then I saw the comments afterwards. And, and the comments all around, even from the report, and I just sat there and went, wait, what? I mean, Jim Trussell got fired for what again? And Urban Meyer gets suspended three games? And I mean, this committee did everything but call him a liar. And for Urban Meyer not to, you know, eat when asked about, you know, what do you think, you know, what would you say to Courtney Smith at this moment, him really just <laughs> dodged the question – and then to, like, kind of address it in a tweet, but in, in the report they talked about how, you know, he never believed her and this. I'm just, I mean, look, if you didn't think Urban Meyer was a slime ball before, you really have to now. And, and it's just he has not changed from what he was at University of Florida and what he, the, the culture he created there. is It's no different than Ohio State. I, I, I just I, – I, and I, I love how everybody in the media is kind of getting on them and just looking at Ohio State with this confused look of how can y'all say this, this, and this, and, and then you're like, well, okay, fine. He won you a national title. You know, they've lost, what, five games in the last four years. I mean, I, okay, we get it. You know, you, you want to keep them around, but, you know, because if you don't, somebody else will snag them. You know, they'll, they'll give them the year off and bring them in, and then somebody else is good. So I get it. But it's just it's baffling to me. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather see him not suspended at all than just three games. That's just nothing. I mean, especially looking at their schedule, they did go to TCU uh, in week mm-hmm. three, but still, that's not going to be a game. I mean, if you think about it, I, I just I just think Urban Meyer, though, very angry in that press conference, watching his body language and just his words. He and you know one thing I caught on to. I don't know if you. You remember they said the AD said something about he had memory loss during that time and over the past yeah. few years. And I don't know if you, you noticed, they asked Urban Meyer a question, and he said, could you repeat that, please? I mean, it's like he couldn't remember. It's like he was put on a show just being an ass. So, I don't know. Mm-hmm. He, he thinks he's right. He thinks he's right. He doesn't think he did anything wrong. He doesn't think he has the answer to somebody. So, after that press conference, when the whole world blasted him, and then he goes to Twitter, like you said, and makes some lame attempt at an apology again. But it's it's over, Urban. I mean, everybody thinks of you. So so look at his legacy, and it's, what do you think that does to it? I think it's. I don't think that's something that he can get past, really. Even if he wins another national championship, I just don't think he's going to be put in that elite category anymore. Well, I mean, the the way I look at Urban Meyer is he want is he the second best coach in college football right now? Yes. Um, is he going to go down as one of, you know, let's say the top 20 head coaches in the modern era? Probably. Is he top five in, you know, maybe slime ball rating? Probably. I mean, you know, I look at Urban Meyer and his legacy the same way that you would uh, Woody Hayes. Woody Hayes was a great coach. Everybody remembers Woody Hayes for punching a Clemson player. You know, that, that, that's his legacy. And I think when it comes to Urban Meyer, his legacy isn't going to be the multiple national titles. It's not going to be, um, you know, taking you know, Utah 
to an undefeated season, taking Florida to two, to two titles, taking Ohio State to a title, the undefeated season when they had the bull band. Like, the, nobody's going to focus on that. Everybody's going to look at Urban Meyer and say, look at, the, look at the culture at Florida that ultimately led to his weird re- semi-retirement where he, you know, most people in the nation are going to tell you he faked a heart attack. And then they're going to look at the Ohio State thing and say, well, he doesn't respect women. I mean, this is a guy who tried to cover it up, deleted text messages off the phone and whatnot, uh, ju- just to make sure that he didn't get fired, even though I don't think Ohio State would have fired him. The suspension might have just been six games and not three. And he was very angry because he was adamant that he didn't deserve to be suspended. And that that's categorically false. He should have been suspended. Uh, he actually should have been terminated. So I, I just – it, it it drives me nuts, but it just goes to show what actually drives college football is not always what the right thing is, but what but it, what drives it is winning. Yep, winning cures all things. It it really does. So where would Urban Meyer be today in his legacy and his reputation without Tim Tebow in the in, in the picture? He's the only decent person. It seems like it wasn't swayed by Urban Meyer really. That didn't. He wasn't a bad person, and he he kept to who he was, kept true to himself. So if Tim Tebow had never played for Urban Meyer, I don't think I don't think Urban Meyer would have kept his job the other night. To be honest with you. Yeah, it's funny if you think of all the guys that have played for Urban Meyer. Uh, yeah, you look back and it's like you know Alex Smith, uh, Tim Tebow, you know whatever at Ohio State, you know Cardell, Barrett, Braxton. Uh, but really you focus on Aaron Hernandez and Percy Harvin and Brandon Spikes and the Pouncey Twins, who've all generated negative press at one time or another uh, to his reputation. Percy Harvin and Aaron Hernandez are probably the two worst uh, for Urban and really show the culture he was fostering. Uh, Riley Cooper, who, I mean, you know, every, nobody remembers Riley Cooper for what he did on the field. They remember for a word he said um, off of it. You know, so it's it's very um, it's a very muddled legacy to say the least. And I think you're right. Without Tebow, you know, the only thing people might point to is, well, look at how he won the national title with a third string quarterback. You know, you lost Brass in the beginning of the season. You lose JT Bear at the end of the season. Cardell, you know, I mean that that would be the one thing people would point to. And then the other thing they'd point to is, look, the end of the season with Alex Smith made him the number one overall pick. Everything in between is just crap. I mean, it's just crap at that point. Even Chris Leak, who's done nothing but bring negative press to the University of Florida uh, after his playing career with, uh, you know, his arrest um, while he was a, a teacher at a high school. And it's just one case after another of, you know, what are you doing? I mean, do you actually care about kids' characters? I mean, you know, I know we like to get on Alabama because – Alabama seems to, you know, I mean, Alabama's even taken in guys on second chances who should have never gotten them. And, you know, people used to, you know, get on other schools like, you know, Tennessee, who used to have guys arrested all the time. That's what led to the the Fulmer Cup or, you know, University of Miami for what they were in the 80s or the criminals, as people like to call them. You know, and we, it's just, this is bad. This is just bad for college football. And we get two really bad scandals in the Big Ten East at the same time, that look really ugly. Yeah, but one coach will keep his job, one won't. So at the end of the day, we'll 
we 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 know who we're talking about. Um, I don't know, man. It's just college football is about winning, though. What if this happened to Nick Saban? What would the conversation be? Would he? You know, he would have kept his job. People would have, if it had been Nick Saban, people would have treated it like uh, like they do with uh, Bear Bryant and the Junction Boys, where it, you know, I mean, you look back at the Junction Boys, like, well, you can't do that today, but back then, ha ha ha, look how, and it's like, okay, no, dude, it was still bad. Like, there's nothing good about that. Uh, you know, I, I think with Nick Saban, this situation probably would have never gotten to where it got um, just because he seems – that that program seems very insulated by the media at the end of the day, whereas Ohio State, it does feel like people like to take their shots at them just because they portray this image of we're holier than you, whereas Alabama just portrays an image of, we're better than you in the field. We're not telling you we're better people than you. We're not telling you we have uh, better academics. We're just going to beat the crap out of you in a football field, and you can't debate that five rings in ten years, you know? Yeah. Well, we have a caller in, Cuervo, I believe. This is Cuervo. Welcome, Cuervo. How's everything going, buddy? Brian, it's been long, 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 long overdue to pay you a visit on the show, man, and and I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm I sorry I couldn't make yours today. Oh no, you know it's it's all good. You know, I mean you're you're too busy being a dad and a husband, man. I understand. So, but um, but how's everything with you? Well, it's going well. We're ready for some football. I know you are. Oh, always. I'm always ready. So, so tell me your thoughts on this Urban Meyer, real quick. We were, that's what we were talking about. Guy only gets three games. Uh, what a joke! Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and we talked about it earlier with, with Sonny. Um, we didn't get into whole to the whole thing of of him getting suspended. We just kind of talked about the the topic in general, as far as um, you know what he knew and what he didn't know, or if he knew, or if he knew, or whatever the case may be, and and. You know, first of all, let me just say that, you know, a three-game suspension for something like this, whether, whether you know, you claim to have knowledge or not, I think is, is uh, you know, it, that, it's like when Johnny Manziel got suspended for, you know, half a game against Rice University, uh, you know, kind of a, you know, kind of a, just a little slap on the hand. I mean, this, this is no slap on the hand, gentlemen. So, um, I, th- I think it's, it's a way for, the university to try to get the NCAA off their back and the NCAA seems like they're buying it. So um, I guess good on Ohio state, but you know, as you and I have talked before, Brian, you know, we, we like to uh, use the phrase snake in the grass to describe urban Meyer. And, and, and this is kind of uh, proving our point. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think a three day, three game suspension is kind of ridiculous, but you know, I mean, I guess it's just a debate of what, what can you prove and what you can't prove, and and that's the situation you're in now. Isn't that funny how he asked somebody how you delete all your text messages for a year? So um, all those text messages that went on on his phone, I'm sure that you know Jonathan. I'm sure he he deleted that, but we won't spend all night talking about Urban Meyer. That's in the past now. I am interested to see how his team responds. Um, to this controversy, how it affects his coaching, 
Will he fake another heart attack if they lose a game or two? I don't know, but we'll stay tuned and we'll follow that for you. Uh, But, yeah, a lot of good games coming up. Not a lot of good games, some key games coming up early in the college football season. But let's not forget the NFL is a week behind college. So Thursday night is really the kickoff of college football. The next Thursday night will be the opening of the NFL. So, Jonathan, which one are you more fired up for, the NFL season or the college football season? Um. Well, I'm currently a student at Florida State, so, and I'm a self-hating Bucks fan. I, I refuse to watch their games at the end of the day. Uh, so yeah, no, I'm definitely more excited for college football. As a, as I put it the other night, you know, or Saturday, yeah, last night, I was like, oh yeah, you know, the four-month party has begun. Everybody, buckle up. It's going to be a wild ride. Yes, sir. I know Cuervo likes that NFL. You know, Sonny's show, they do a lot of NFL talk. I'm going to go back and listen to their podcast so I can catch up. But some interesting things, the Cleveland Browns won a big game the other night, 5 to nothing over Philadelphia. I kind of get worried about teams that, like Carolina, they're 3-0 and in the preseason. That kind of worries me. I think the teams that do the best in preseason – have bad years in the regular season. I don't know if that's true, but that's just what it feels like. But does Cleveland, do they need these kind of wins, Jonathan? I think this is beneficial for Cleveland. Going for 0-16 last year, uh, winning three games in the preseason, I think sometimes you forget how to win in these preseason games or confidence or blocks, just building blocks every week to, to kind of turn them into a winner. Does that make sense? Um, I'm going to disagree with you on that because Cleveland went 4-0 in the preseason last year and then went 0-16. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, but I mean, I just, I just, I think, I think Cleveland does need, need some kind of win in the preseason though. Just, I mean, this is a different team. I think this team looks a lot better on the field. They look more athletic. They look good on defense. And that's one thing Cleveland, it's been a long time since we was that been in the 80s maybe they were good in the 90s in defense in Cleveland in the dog town but it's been a long time Cleveland defense looks pretty talented to me yeah no I I mean I I've I like the roster in the building at the same time when you have as many high draft picks as they've had that at some point you've got to be able to build something I mean it's still a team that used the number nine overall overall pick on Justin Gilbert, and he was gone within three years. They used the first round pick on Danny Shelton, and he was gone within three years. Like they had a really bad track record with first round picks, uh, you know. So you, I mean, I've always said, just give me control of the Browns for three years, I can get you into the playoffs. It's not that hard. I'm drafting number one overall every year. Like this should be a, a gimme. Uh, so, I mean, at the end of the day, you look at the Cleveland Browns team. I think they have a very good defensive line. I think they have very talented linebackers. Their secondary. I'm not I'm not sold on yet. We'll have to see uh, how that looks throughout the season. Uh, offensively, I mean, I, they have talent offensively. They just needed a consistent day-in, day-out quarterback. Last year, you tried to break in a quarterback that jumped to the NFL too early. We all knew it. We all knew Kaiser should have sat a year. And instead, they threw him into the fire, and, well, we saw what happened. Um, you know, I mean, the Browns had talented running backs uh, with Isaiah Crowell and Duke Johnson. Crowell is gone, but they replaced him with Carlos Hyde and Nick Chubb. You add Jarvis Landry. Uh, I mean, but they took Corey Coleman in the first round. They've already traded him. You know, you have at tight end, you don't know what you have. Uh, you lose your 
the face of your franchise and left tackle Joe Thomas, who retires, partly, I think, because of the first time you've been injured and missed games and it spooked him, and also partly because I think he just got tired of losing. You know, you go yeah. through an 0-16 season with as good a career as he's had, and you go, you know what, I'm done. That's it. Like, what's the point? I'm stuck here forever. Um, you know, so, I mean, I think they could be a good team. At the same time, the NFL looks like they have figured out this parity thing to a point to where it looks like there's going to be a lot of decent teams this year. I don't think, um, like the AFC South, I think is going to be very competitive. I think you have four good teams there, um, obviously led by, you know, good quarterbacks and Deshaun Watson and Andrew Luck and then, to me, average quarterbacks in Mariota and Bortles, but they have a lot of talent around them. You look at the AFC West. I mean, so Cleveland can still finish with a losing record and yet have a good season and be very competitive. I mean, they have Pittsburgh and Baltimore in their own division. You know, you, you still have the Patriots looming. I think until the Patriots, you know, until Brady retires and Belichick's gone, I think the Patriots kind of just sag that, that conference down a little bit because everybody – outside of maybe Pittsburgh at this yeah. point, is kind of sitting there going, well, we're playing for second place. Yeah, I think I think the Patriots, Cuervo, I think the Patriots are, are going to take a step back this year. I don't think they make the Super Bowl. I think they struggle. I think they win 10 games in the regular season, lose six. What do you think, Cuervo? Am I way off on them and also the Browns? What do you think about them? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think that – I think New England's going to win their division. Um, you know, I don't see anybody competing with them. So, it's almost – it's almost calling that by default, right? What I'm interested what about the in seeing, though, I, I'm, not, I'm not buying into the Jets. I'm sorry. I, I, I can't do it. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I, you know, we'll see what kind of year Sam Darnold has and, and if it was the right move or not. Uh, as far as drafting him, but you know, when, when it comes to the Patriots, though, guys, I, I'm really I'm, I'm going to be paying attention to how well how well they perform defensively. I'm obviously, as we all know, Matt Patricia leaves. Uh, he goes to Detroit to become their head coach. So I just want to see how how uh, high of a level that they can maintain defensively. Um, you know, if, if they look lost out there, then it's going it, it could potentially be. Um, a year where, like you said, I mean, they don't make the Super Bowl, and it could be for that reason. But if they can kind of pick up where they left off now that Patricia's gone, then uh, it'll be hard to it'll be hard to beat this football team. So, and as far as the Browns, we you know we we kind of hit on them pretty pretty heavily uh, during our show this morning or early afternoon. Um, I kind of I I I think when it comes to a team like the Browns. Even though it's preseason, uh, I think that's they're the they're one of the exceptions where you get any type of win you can, and and like you had mentioned, you know it it, it can be a confidence booster. Uh, I think another thing too is is bringing in a guy like Jarvis Landry, who who has already you know made a, a stance, if you will, on on the attitude that the Cleveland Browns kind of carry around year in and year out and it's kind of it was pretty evident to him why they were such a losing franchise every year you know it, it all it all comes down to, to attitude and, and they don't have it in Cleveland and, and he finally he opened you know he had to express his opinion on it and, um 
you know, I think that's what the Browns needed is a guy who was local and, and saying, look, enough is enough. Stop, stop walking around feeling sorry for yourself. Like you are just as worthy as all the other 31 teams in the NFL of competing for a championship. Stop walking around with, with your head down, feeling sorry for yourself. Like get your ass up and let's go to work. So that's basically. Well, are you going to get rid of Josh reason. Gordon though? Are you, are you going to let Josh Gordon come back to this team after you it seems like you've got some kind of rhythm going and seems like he's a bad apple and they've done a good job of drafting these bad apples and they haven't panned out. I think that's one of the reasons they, they struggle. Well, I mean, look, you, you know, they've given him a lot of opportunities and at least for now, you know, maybe, maybe he's just kind of uh, fooling people, but, it seems like he's starting to move in the right direction. And I don't know if it, it's because certain people are no longer in his life or, you know, on the team or whatever the case may be, but it, it kind of seems like he is moving in the right direction. And I mean, he's an exceptional talent. So I think to me, if, if I'm the, if I'm Hugh Jackson or if I'm any one associated with the Browns, you give him, like tell him like this is this is it this is your last shot if you screw this up there's nothing we can do for you like I, I we've tried to support you as much as we can and you're just not willing to to comply or we're not willing to to work with us so um you know at that point yeah you you, you got to cut ties with him so um I don't know for some people you know maybe they you know, they've given him too many chances and they just continue to believe that he's going to make change for the good. And, you know, but it, like I said, it seems like he's heading in the right direction now. And um, so the last thing he needs is people to just give up on him because they don't believe in him. And that, and that might be why he just said, screw it and kept continuing to make the same mistake. I mean, there's, there's really no telling. Uh, what, what he was thinking when he was going through his lapses and stuff like that. But if he's got a good supporting, you know, system now and people that, that believe in him, then that, that might be what he needs. Yeah, Jonathan, uh, Dez Bryant went to visit the, the Cleveland Browns. Uh, what's that on, on hard knocks? And they haven't signed him yet, but that could be a possibility. Why Why do you think nobody's even – Signed Des Bryant right now. He's a Cowboys leading receiver or touchdown uh, leader of all time. I mean, this guy's still got some good years left in him. Why do you think everybody's staying away from him? Uh, he's a diva. People don't like divas. Let's let's just start there. Um, you know, but uh, the the issue with Des is you can see a downturn in his production over the last three years. Uh, you know, and he attributes that to the fact that, well, I, uh, I always lined up in the same spot. And always, well, look, we get it, okay? You always lined up in the same spot and always do the same things. But it happened to work when you had Tony Romo. But it doesn't work when you have Dak Prescott. I don't understand that. Um, you know, and then I know he turned down a two-year deal from the Ravens uh, because he won, he didn't there, – there was something financially with that. And then – Last I heard, he had turned down a one-year, five million dollar offer from Cleveland because he thinks he's worth more money than that. So uh, you know, I, I look at Des and it's like, okay, you've had two suitors, you've had two contract offers, you turned down both. Like that's it. 
that that's all you've gotten. And, and by you know, you turn down that contract, the odds of it being there when you come back to them is slim to none. So I think if you know if you're Des Bryant and you're talking about oh, I want to go to Cleveland and this is cool, blah blah blah, and you show up and you leave without signing, you reject it. That tells me you're not invested in, in, in what matters, and that's winning. And I think that's why people are kind of spooked off uh, when it comes to him, is because they're not sure if he actually cares about contributing to a winning culture and a winning atmosphere, or if he cares about Des Bryant and Des Bryant's money. And if he only cares about Des Bryant and Des Bryant's money, well, guess what? Nobody's going to want you. At the end of the day, you're not talented enough. You're not an upper echelon receiver anymore. You're 29 going on 30. You don't have the speed, like you know. We, we've, <laughs> what, what you know? What more well, are, are you me, looking for here? Remind me why the Cowboys got rid of him. Money. So it was a contract time, and or was it not? No, it was. Uh, so Dallas just wouldn't pay him what he felt he was worth, and and they just dropped him. Because I, I think uh, I remember is, asking why they why, why they didn't trade him, but they just dropped him. Yeah, I want that. Well, because his contract was untradeable, nobody was trading for that cap hit. Um, you know, I mean, and and everybody's seeing the same thing. Des Bryant's production has taken a downturn, and you know, he, him, and some other people are saying, well, it was the offense, and it's like, well, it's the same offense that you put up big numbers into. It can't just be the offense. You can't just blame Jason Garrett and Dak Prescott for why you have taken a step back as a receiver. That's just, that, that, no, that's not how this works. Jason Witten and Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley broke out as a slot receiver in Dallas. Jason Witten maintained good numbers. Terrence Williams maintained his numbers. Des Bryant's numbers went down. One of those things is not like the other. You know, and, and that's why, you know, I just look at Des and I, I, I wouldn't sign him if I was a team. I don't think he's worth a headache. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I wonder if the Patriots, the way they've kind of gone after receivers with trouble past and and divas, they they seem to work well with Tom Brady. Remember when Randy Moss came, Tom Brady lit us up, had one of his best years of his career. Could the Patriots go out and get him? I, I feel it's a little late in the process for uh, for the Patriots to get involved now. Um, I wouldn't put it past them. I know Eric Decker retired today, uh, which obviously opens up another roster spot, all things considering. Um, you know, I mean, like you said, though, Brady has had, uh, you know, great success with uh, receivers with these kind of off-the-field antics, like a Randy Moss, uh, even like a Dante Stallworth, who everybody forgets. I mean, they brought in Dante Stallworth from jail. Uh, you know, like the, you know, the Patriots have never been shy about giving somebody a chance as long as they're willing to buy into the Patriots' way. So the question is, is Des Bryant willing to buy into the Patriots' way? And, and I think that is something that would we would have to see to find out. And it's one of those things where I'll see it when I believe it. Because I, I just honestly think Des Bryant's career is done. Oh, well, I'm not ready to say that just yet. Um, this is the same guy that strangled his mother tried to i think so good job des take the five million buddy play at cleveland you know one thing about playing in cleveland playing in that cold weather when it gets cold in that tough division i don't know if he could make it physically i think he'd get beat up he's used to playing those dome teams playing in the warm weather that'd be tough going to cleveland in january and playing some football games that have any kind of meaning 
That'd be tough, wouldn't it? And that's why for, they always said Marvin Harrison couldn't succeed. You know, you look at quarterback, you look at players like that who've always, you know, Torrey Holt, Isaac Bruce, Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, who always had their success playing in a dome half the year. Uh, even a guy like Marcus Colston, whose career just fizzled and died um, once, you know, New Orleans decided, you know, he wasn't worth the money he was making. And I think Des Bryant resembles Marcus Colston in that he never had top-end athletic speed, but he's a big body. He can make contested catches, but at some point, you just wear out your welcome. Um, and whether it's financially or whether your play takes a downturn or both. Yeah, well, guess who's on hold? The man from from Oregon. Can you guess who it is, Jonathan? Uh, Mr. Humphrey. Yep, that's it. Jason, what's going on, my friend? Hey, guys, this game week for pretty much every team in the college football. I'm excited. This is like Christmas week for me. How, is, how are you guys? Man, we're doing. I, if I was any better, I don't know what I'd do. <laughs> I did. I did have a. I did have a. I did have a car accident this week, though. First one in thirteen years. What? Uh, I hit a parked car. Yeah, I hit a parked car like a dumbass. I mean, it's like you back it up. You're not paying attention. You're in a rush. Next thing you know, crunch, and I get out, and I'm like, shit. You know, you're just like sometimes. You know those moments when you feel stupid. I don't like stupid people, so I'm pretty hard on myself. When I do something stupid, I, I thought the guy was going to cuss me out, you know, but he didn't. I, I did a good job of that myself. Just, But the guy was like, hey, man, I thought, yeah, well, you, you don't look like the kind of guy that would run off. And I'm like, no, I'm standing by your truck, dumbass. I'm not running anywhere. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I've got a, you know, that was a that was a tough start to or tough ending. That was on uh, Friday. I was running in the air for my wife. Other than that, Jason, life is good. College football is here. You know, the the, the last accident I had was watching Auburn and Ole Miss at halftime. I was getting my truck to run somewhere, ended up rear-ending a lady. And that was 13 years ago. So, I don't know. When it gets close to football season, it's like I can't drive anymore. You think that's, You think I can blame that on college football, Jason? Yeah, that's, that's a very good excuse. First down at South. So, 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 tell me, Jason, what are you looking forward to this first week? What kind of questions are you looking to be answered? Um, what kind of questions um, can the Washington defensive line match up with Auburn's defensive line? Um, who's going to start with Alabama? I, I don't think that's really a problem. Louisville's going to get swept away. Um, Michigan, um, this is the year for Jim Harbaugh. He needs to beat Notre Dame on a Saturday night. And for LSU, can, is Ed O'Dron the guy? I think not. Um, I think Miami is going to just blow the doors off of LSU. I think you may be on to something right there, Jason. Uh, and, and we can talk about that. Miami, damn good team last year. They just kind of run out of gas, run into – tough schedule there at the end of the season. Um, didn't know what it was like. Didn't have what it take, took to – I think they started – was it Pittsburgh that beat them after Thanksgiving, uh, the day mm-hmm. after Thanksgiving, and kind of mm-hmm. tumbled their season up. 
But, you know, this year playing LSU, I think LSU is going in the wrong direction. Jonathan, you tell me that point spread. I think Miami is like a two-point favorite, but I would lay the two uh, with Miami right now. I, I, so LSU is an interesting team in their own right, and I'd, I'd love to—I would love to go into their schedule at some point. Um, but look, the big thing for Miami is that not only are they replacing possibly the best defensive, one of the best defensive line coaches in the country, who left for Alabama, that gives you an idea. But they lost a lot of talent up front defensively. They don't have a lot of depth on that defensive line. Um, I mean, granted, look, their back seven, almost the entirety of it's back, and it looks like it's going to you know, be good. A lot of people love their linebackers. My big thing with Miami is they didn't get good quarterback play the whole season, and they're coming back in with the same guy. You know, your, your, your best running back is gone. And granted, they have talented guys behind them like uh, Travis Homer and Lorenzo Lingard. I mean, I think these are two teams that are equally matched. I think this is really going to be a fun game. Um, could could very well look like the, the Wisconsin game in the Orange Bowl, uh, you know, where, I mean, Miami and Wisconsin were trading punches until the very end where the Rosier just completely fell apart. And, you know, I just – this is a big game for LSU. I think o, Coach O has to win this one just to get some people off his back. This is a huge game for Miami. You know, Miami needs to win this one to have some confidence. I mean, because the thing with Miami is they beat LSU. They've got four, to me, locked victories before they hit their next tough game, and that's, you know, their home game against Florida State. You know, that, they really only have – you know, three, maybe four games on the schedule that you, you, you kind of look at. You know, it's LSU, Florida State, and then at Virginia Tech and probably at Boston College. Outside of that, this is a guaranteed eight-win team. Probably, a, you know, you could almost lock them in at, at double digits. You know, they have to get off a good start here because if you lose to LSU, your whole season can start to slide a little bit depending on how other things break out. Well, well, Jonathan, Jason, I'll ask you, what happens if Miami beats LSU and a couple weeks later when LSU travels to Auburn, Auburn drops half a hundred on them and blows them out? Do they get rid of Orgeron in the middle of the season, kind of like they did Les Miles a couple years ago, or are they going to ride him out and then get rid of him at the end of the season? I, I wouldn't put a pass. Um, I wouldn't put a pass them. Um, we all forget how Les Miles were fired. He was fired on like a last second touchdown. Um, LSU got the touchdown, <laughs> but it didn't count it because um, the play wasn't off on time, I believe. Yeah, yeah, they were about three seconds late. It looked like, uh, but but I think the AD needs to be fired. I think Orgeron will get fired. I think the president will fire both of them. But let's bring on Quinn. I'm sure he's he's wanting to talk about Notre Dame and Auburn, aren't you, Quinn? Hello. Hi, uh, Hi. <laughs> What's up, Quinn? And I actually think LSU beats uh, Miami. You do? Um, you going to put the money on it? No. Well... 
You got to bet money on it, man. It's the first week of football. This is where you get rich. This is about the only week you can bet and, and actually make money. So this is the week. So let's see. Let me look at that point spread real quick. Miami is a three-point favorite, Quinn, over LSU. Where is that game being played? In Texas? Yeah. Cowboys Stadium. Isn't it at Jerry's World? Yeah. Yeah, there'll be a lot of LSU fans there. That's a, that's LSU country right there, Quinn. So I, I may yeah. take LSU in that game. I don't know. That's on Labor Day night. Or is that Sunday night? Which one? Sunday night. Labor Sunday Day night. Labor Day, Labor Day night. Uh, Florida State. Florida State. Okay. Oh, yeah. That'll be a good one, man. So, so tell me, Quinn, what are you thinking about your Auburn Tigers matched up against Washington? Auburn's a two-and-a-half-point favorite. This is going to be a good one. Washington's probably the better coach team. Um, they've got a lot of senior leadership on that team, a lot of upperclassmen. It's going to be tough. Yeah, it's going to be tough. And I heard Jamal Dean broke his hand or wrist. I don't know if yeah. you heard that, but I heard that, so that's yeah. not good. But I don't know. I think it'll be a close game. And I'm not sure. I'm hoping Auburn can pull it off. I think they can. They have the ability to. I think the uh, I think this I think they'll get off to the best the best offensive start since 2014 against uh against a quality team. So I think the offense will be better than the past couple of years when they went up against Clemson the last two years. But oh no, it'll be a close game. It'll come down to how, how Auburn's offensive line plays. I think that'll be the factor of who wins the game is how Auburn off, Auburn's offensive line yep. performs. I think you're right. I think if, if Auburn's offensive line struggles, uh, it could be a long day because, I don't know, I think they'll do good with uh, Grimes back coaching them and everything. They're talented, but it's all up front, guys. If you want to know who wins that game, Offensive and defensive lines. Who plays the best? Which team does will win. It's that easy. Turnovers. You don't want those this early kind of game against Washington. You don't. You don't want to come in and and turn the ball over and and give them a chance to score easy because they'll run you out of a building. So Peterson's good enough as a coach without giving him turnovers. That's one thing that worries me. Um, Stidham holding the ball too long sometimes. Maybe he learned learn from that last year he, he tends to fumble in big time games um the running back situation not really having a proven stud that the bell cow if you will so it's uh, there's a lot I mean, it's a, i'm not worried at all you're not? about that no well, See, i am we've had these questions a few years ago whenever a big guy whenever Guys leave, they get replaced. Who's going to step up? Some, someone's, someone's always done it. it at, at Auburn, running back is never a concern. I'm, yeah. <laughs> until it's proven otherwise, I'm not going to be worried about running yeah. back. 
They just, I, I, well, if that was the case, they should they could have replaced Carry on last year against Georgia in the SEC championship game and allowed somebody else to come in instead of letting Carry on at ten percent come in there and get a half yard of a play. So I'll be worried until they show me different. Until they until they show me they can run the ball. So I'm, I think they can, but it, it is a concern when you lose when you lose somebody like Carry on. But I think Cam Martin will be fine. He's not gonna get you 25 carries a game, but, but it'll, it'll be okay. Stedham's a good passer. So on to Notre Dame, Michigan, Quinn. I know you think your Irish are going to win that one with ease, don't you? No, I think they'll win, but I think it's going to be a really close tough game, probably pretty low scoring too. I think, I think both offenses will struggle. Notre, Notre Dame has, Nine guys coming back on defense. Uh, I I expect for them to be Im- improved. I think, and I think it'll come down to. I think it could come down to a field goal, or a late field goal by Notre Dame to win it. And I think them, I think them being at at home will help. I exp- since it's Michigan. I don't think the season ticket holders are going to be selling their season their tickets to uh, Michigan fans, so I expect it, expect it to be pretty noisy, and I think Notre Dame will pull it off. I couldn't, I've never heard you say Notre Dame was going to lose. I don't know, Jonathan, whether I take the uh, stock in that or not. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I mean, look, I, you know, I, I think Notre Dame has a chance to be a decent team this year. Um, obviously, the defense is, is expected to be good. The big question mark with Notre Dame is quarterback play. At the end of the day, and at the end of the day, and of course, you're also replacing the left side of your offensive line that was pretty darn good. You're replacing Josh Adams, who was pretty darn good. So, you know, Notre Dame definitely has their question marks going into this game. You know, it's the first of many tough tests for Michigan uh, this year. I, you know, I think that this could wind up being a great game. I'm with Quinn. I, I think this is going to be more of a low scoring coming down to the wire. Like we expect the great Michigan Notre Dame games uh, too. I think everybody, when you think about, you know, great Michigan Notre Dame rivalry games, you think of, uh, you know, the, the like 38, 34s and, and things of that nature where the, those defenses obviously weren't as good, but they were close games. They were tight games, last second scoring chances. And it's going to be a great game, and, I mean, the entirety of the country is going to be watching it, especially considering that, you know, Michigan is a lot of people's dark horse favorite to uh, win the Big Ten and, and show up in the playoffs. Well, I'll, I'll go to Cuervo real quick. Cuervo, which game are you looking forward to the most? I know Tennessee, West Virginia, you're a Tennessee fan, but other than that game, which game are you looking forward to? Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm interested in, um, you know, that LSU-Miami game as well. Doesn't um, – I thought Florida State and Bama played again. Is that not a thing? Or is that just a one-time deal? Florida. Oh, Florida oh God, State, no, that Virginia was a one-time State. thing. We, we don't want okay. Bama again. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I kind of figured you didn't, Jonathan. I just didn't know if it was uh, <clears throat> if it was one of those, like, you know, where you switch off type deals, but... Um, man, that, yeah, no, man, that's I think that, Florida State's whole season up. Lost your quarterback. Mm-hmm. That killed him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of did. That, that's why I was asking. But, 
you know, I mean, obviously, I can't, I can't uh, say that I'm not my most of my attention is not on Tennessee, West Virginia, but I mean, there's some, there, you know, there's always good Week One games, guys, but um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, the Notre Dame, Michigan one's another one too, um, but uh, you know, it, it's there's there's a lot of there's a lot of good ones, so uh, I. I what do you, I'm just looking forward to some college what ball, guys. What do, what do you think about what do you think about Auburn and Washington? I, I think uh, people are, are looking into that game a little too much. I think Auburn's going to have their way with Washington. I don't. I don't think it's really going to be much of a, a contest. That's just that's just how I feel about it. Well, I hope you're right, man. I love that. <laughs> I love that, man. I hope it's. Uh, I hope it's forty-two to nothing at halftime, so I can, <laughs> so, I can so I can relax. And, yeah, but you don't want them to come back, you know. But I, yeah, I like to. It's funny how I'm watching ESPN right now. It just went from the Mercer Alabama game to the Alabama Clemson game. Now they just they just uh, conveniently let that Iron Bowl last whipping out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good job. Good job. Good job. ESPN. Good job. Well, anyway, I mean, there's there's a lot of good games. I mean, there's not good games, but there's some interesting games, Cuervo. And one that I'm looking forward to the most is Oklahoma-Florida Atlantic. Am I crazy? Because I think that's going to be a, a fun game to watch. I'm betting over, by the way. Well, no, I mean, I think I know why you're into that one. Isn't that isn't that where Lane Kiffin coaches now? Yeah. Yeah. Damn right. That's a good, that's yeah, a good so. little team. <laughs> yeah, them against Oklahoma. That should be interesting. I mean, I don't know what the, what's the spread on it because I'm I'm probably going to take I would take Florida Atlantic depending on how many points they're they're getting. Twenty one and the over and under sixty nine. Hmm. Yeah, I would say I, I think Florida Atlantic Florida Atlantic with the over 20, 21. I think Florida Atlantic will put up 21. Am I right or wrong on that, you think? At least 21. It may be something like 56, 24, something like that. I mean, it'll, Florida Atlantic could cover, but I think Oklahoma's going to score some points too. So, um, I like 69 as the over as a play. The, side, the side's kind of tricky. I hate I hate taking points against a team that can score in a second. Mm-hmm. Give me FAU so that's outright. It. Yeah. You, you think that Florida Atlantic wins outright? Yeah, sure. I'll go with that. That'll be that'll be my big upset of the week. Sure, I'll 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 hitch my wagon to the lane train. Um, Oklahoma I'll, I'll defense. Tell you, I'll tell you my is, big upset. Go ahead, Jonathan. I'm going to say, Oklahoma's defense, if you can't tell from that Georgia game, is absolutely horrendous. And when I rewatched it, what I saw was linebackers who had no idea what they were doing, defensive linemen who were getting whipped, and defensive backs who didn't even bother to cover. FAU can put up points. Half their offense is high-profile G1, uh, D1 transfers, and guys like DeAndre Johnson and whatnot. Look, man, I'll hitch my wagon as my crazy upset of the week being Florida Atlantic, a noon game. Oklahoma breaking their new quarterback, new left tackle. Defense is terrible. Yeah, I'll hitch my wagon. 
Here's my upset. Oregon State, Jason, beats Ohio State outright. Not a chance. <laughs> I'm joking. Not a chance. You know how bad Oregon State is? Oh, they're bad. I mean, they're, <laughs> they're bad. If you put Oregon State in the Mountain West, I don't think they'd go bowling. They're that bad. And it's a noon, it's a 11 a.m. Uh, kickoff in Ohio State. So it's like 8 o'clock in the morning or 10 o'clock in the morning for Oregon State, having to go on the road against a team that lost their coach. Um, yeah, that's going to be bad. Oregon State. Three, Ohio State, 69. What do you think about that score? Very nice. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's a reason that Urban Myers suspended for the three games because there's three nobodies outside of TCU, that middle-of-the-road team. Y'all keep saying TCU's a nobody. Like, what is this slander? Yeah. I'm just saying, if Ohio State was playing the Clemson first week, is Urban Meyer suspended? No. I don't yes. think not. I think so. Yeah. I think he's suspended. He, he may be suspended for uh, the pregame warm-ups, but he's getting suspended. But he may coach a game. Here's my, here's my upset of the week, guys. This is my my upset of the week. I could be wrong, but I love 10-point underdogs. Jonathan will tell you that. I love 10-point dogs to win outright, and I take Tennessee to beat West Virginia. I may be crazy, Ooh, but nope. I, don't I would bet that one. I like <laughs> Well, I could be wrong. Hey, hey let the man I mean, speak, up, all right? Nope. <laughs> Tennessee, baby. Rocky Top. I got one. Cuervo, tell me. Who, who's Oregon playing? I mean, I would I would love nothing more than that. That would be a that would be a great uh, week one uh, college football gift to me and in, in Ball Nation. So we'll see what happens. A perfect weekend. Florida State wins. Auburn wins. Notre Dame wins. Oregon wins. Tennessee wins. We're all, mm-hmm. we're all good. So yeah, but Jason, Oregon's not Oregon playing play? anybody good. So. Bowling, Bowling Green. Green. Oh God. Yeah, I think I'm my upset pick too. So. The only who's, one of us who has a Bowling locked Green? game is Oregon. Like that's not even fair. Oregon's gonna win week one. Oh wow, wow. and water is wet. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> yeah, Notre Dame's got a one point game against Michigan. Auburn's a two and a half point favorite in Washington. Florida State's a touchdown. Over Virginia Tech and Oregon, 31 and a half over Bowling Green. What's your upset pick, Jason? Upset Wyoming over Washington State. That's not an upset. (laughs) Hell, that's That's a a three-point game, Jason. Who who are you? That's not an upset. You know what? You know what else is a good week one matchup? California and North Carolina. No, because half of North Carolina's team got suspended over selling shoes. Selling their but not all of those guys are 
Most of them. Most of the suspensions are spread out. No. Yes, they are. <laughs> they, they didn't get all suspended. They, their suspensions are spread out. Look it up. North Carolina is going to lose to Cowboy double digits. Thank yeah, it. You want to put a bet on it? Let's put a bet on it. UNC no, loses to Cal by double digits. <laughs> Here's my upset pick. Ole Miss over Texas Tech. That's not an upset. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm trying to. I'm trying to, to match Quinn's upset. Ole Miss, Texas Tech could have 100 points. That's going to be fun. Yeah, I think Ole Miss will get them, though. I think Ole Miss Miss will get about 50 a game, but they'll score about 60 in some of these games, especially at the Big 12 teams. That's a 7-on-7 anyway. I'm getting an echo. Somebody's Mm -hmm. phone is uh, about to make me start cussing. Uh, I think it's uh, Jason's. That's Jason's phone. Jason's over there on speaker watching TV, and I can't even hear myself think. So, um, I mean, look, here's the deal. Last year, the year before, going into week one, we we had so many games to preview. This week, there's there's about three or four that you can really talk about. We talked about them. I can't sit here and go through Kentucky, Central Michigan, South Carolina, Coastal Carolina, Wyoming, uh, Washington State, and teams like that. I can, we talked about Michigan, Notre Dame, Florida State. Jonathan, I think they're going to take care of business. I think they win by double digits against Virginia Tech. That's going to be a good one. I think it'll be a close game, middle of the third quarter, and I think Florida State takes over. God, I so hope so. Your, your Seminoles. I mean, I'm going to be in the stands. So Josh for Jackson. It, you know. so, so 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 tell me about Josh Jackson. Quarterback for Virginia Tech. Uh, good ball player. I mean, went through a, a learning curve last year. Obviously, um, there was a rumor during the off season that he might wind up being suspended for academics, but he wound up uh, getting himself on the right side there. I mean, Virginia Tech's big issue is they lose a lot defensively. Uh, they, I mean, I know their top two corners are already out. Um, They lost their best linebacker in Edmonds, and then they lost, obviously, their best safety, the older brother Edmonds. He went in the first round. Uh, They lost their best defensive lineman in Settle. He was drafted. And Virginia Tech's defense is rebuilding from the ground up. Uh, Offensively, I don't know if they actually have firepower to to really come after you. This is – this is going to be a very interesting game. I mean, we all saw from Coach Taggart and what he did with Oregon last year where they had a habit of getting up 28 points uh, at halftime. And I know that's the uh, that that's the big thing as far as everybody's looking uh, for this game is, you know, can Florida State jump out to an early lead? How are they going to look? You know, John Joe Francois back. Florida State has a bevy of running backs led by Cam Akers, who should be, a, um, you know, very talented in the same mold as uh, Dalvin Cook. Uh, receivers, they've got depth. Offensive line, Florida State's biggest issue, and that's the only reason. And linebackers, linebackers is a joke. I mean, it's a, I've heard some things that are just 
bad about the linebackers um, coming out of practice. So yeah, we'll 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 see how that how that works out. But I mean, I, I have high hopes for Florida State, of course, uh, in this game, especially since it'll be my first game as a student in the stands. Um, I mean, do, do either one of y'all disagree, Jason Quinn, Corvo? I I think I think you guys I think you guys win. I think Florida State wins it. Uh, I mean, I hope so. I'm very optimistic going into this season. I'm not used to having a new coach, uh, unlike some of the other programs. Um, I mean, I, my under the radar. I, I probably does good at Florida State. I'll say that. Well, I mean, he'll be here for another 30 years going off a track record. I Well, looking at Oregon just for the grins of it, I mean, I get it. You guys were playing Bowling Green week one, so nobody really cares. And looking at your schedule, uh, you guys don't really face a contest. Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, looking at it, you guys should easily breeze to what? Three and oh. And then you had that Stanford game where it's at home. Stanford comes off their punch fest with, uh, or is it the week before? So they have the week before they got to go to Notre uh, It's the week before they got to go to Notre Dame. It's two weeks after USC. They open the year with San Diego State. I mean, this is Stanford's, you know, they got three, four realistically tough games in September. Um, I mean, how do you think Oregon is, is going to do this year? What are your expectations for the team knowing that, you know, it's a new head coach, but I mean, you hired them from within, uh, he's a very good coach, somebody that I saw up close and personal multiple times when he was at FIU, uh, you know, where he was unceremoniously fired over some really stupid backroom chatter and, and whatnot. Um, you know, how, how are you feeling about the Ducks this year? What are your expectations? You know, what's a high-water mark, a low-water mark? You know, what are you thinking? Well, for for me, it's, it's all about number 10. Um, Justin Herbert needs to stay healthy. Um, when he was on the field last year, we averaged about 50 points. When he wasn't, 15 points per game. Um, what I'm hearing about camp, um, Cristobal wants to be a physical team on both of sides of the line. As a Duck fan, I don't know what that is because we've been speed, speed, speed. Um, I would say a high watermark would be nine wins. Um, Stanford Washington's close. I don't think we beat them this year. And a low low mark for us is seven wins and the offense struggles. So. And bouncing over to you, Quinn, I mean looking at Notre Dame, uh obviously we know pretty much their schedule every year week you know, week in, week out. It doesn't change too much. Um that's the benefit yeah. of having three million rivals. Is that you know? I mean, what what what's the the big game this year? The new game is it uh, uh, Notre Dame or whatever? I mean, do you guys have a uh, have a mark that you're looking as far? I mean, is playoff something that you're really staring at, knowing that you do have to play Michigan and Stanford and Florida State at home? Your big road contest really is USC and Virginia Tech. You know, do you, yeah, is, is it playoff or bust this year? Yeah. I'd say so. That's what the that's what Notre Dame fans always have those ex 
expectations, but the team, the team, that, from what I've read in an article, all they're talking about is making it to the playoffs this year. Uh, so yeah, I'd say, I'd say, playoff, playoff or bust, and I have them just being on the outside. I have them going ten and two with losses at Virginia Tech and at USC. They could go into that USC game, though. I have them going in 10 and 1. So that could be a game as if they could go into USC and win. They they maybe would have a chance to get in at 11 and 1. But I see their well mark being 9 wins and then their high mark with some luck. I could see them going undefeated, but that would be tough. So I'd put them right in the middle there at 10 and 2. Which would be three well, out of four years that Notre Dame has won ten games. Which, well, is ten, uh, and ten and, is ten and two enough to get them in the playoffs? No, they would just be on the outside. They would go to they'd go to a New Year's Six Bowl most likely, but they would just be on the outside of the playoffs. Uh, that's not bad. Ten and two is not bad by any stretch. Well, guys, anything before we, we head out of here tonight? It, it'll get a lot inter- more interesting when we have games to actually cover and preview. But, hey, all that really matters, Jason, is college football's back. That's really all we need to talk about. Yeah, too. Yeah. So, so all right, can I just anybody got anything? talk about how hard LSU's schedule is? Yeah, let's talk and about it. And why. I mean, the LSU fans, and I brought this up on Twitter, and I got two interactions. One, he's like, this is a rebuilding year. You know, we got to give them a year. This is, you know, this this you know, shape it up to be a tough year. We just got to make a bowl game. And the other one was, well, and, you know, if we don't contend for the SEC West title, you have to fire them. And I'm like, okay, well, time out, time out, time out. You have to play Miami and Arlington, right? Miami is a top – 20 team, let's say. I mean, most people have them top 15. You have to play at Auburn, top 10 team, all day, any day. You have to – you get Louisiana Tech the next week. Louisiana Tech's coming off a bye, and this is going to be a recurring theme. Um, you're at Florida. You come home from Florida. You get to play Georgia at home. Then your homecoming game is Mississippi State. Mississippi State's coming off a bye week. So there's a fun three weeks. Then you get a bye week so that you can play Alabama, who's also coming off a bye week, and then you follow Alabama by going to Arkansas, who's coming off a bye week, and you end the year at Texas A&M. This is a miserable schedule. This is the same type schedule that Alabama went 10-3 and that one year where they complained we were playing everybody on a bye week, and it never happened again. So they gave it to LSU. Yeah, I remember that, Jonathan, and and, 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 – and 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 I'm gonna tell you what happened that year too. Injuries. When you play a schedule like that, with that kind of no break in between, Jason, I'm gonna have to mute you, buddy. Uh, if, if you play a schedule like that, Jonathan, without those breaks and other teams are bye weeks, you get injured more. And that Alabama was ten and three uh, total. Look what they did to Michigan State once they got healthy. So. By the end of the season, will LSU be good by the time the bowls come, if they make one? Will, will it pay dividends playing a schedule like that? Or will I it mean, just kill it's them? 
it's a real good question because they have talent. Like Joe Burrow is coming in at quarterback, and we we all kind of expect him to be good. And a lot of people think he's going to be the best quarterback they've had since Mettenberger, if not better. You know, you have uh, Jonathan Giles, who is excellent at Texas Tech. He's eligible this year. They never have an issue at running back. You know, their defense is always good. The offensive line, I mean, we'll see how it comes. You know, but I mean, when you ha- you have your you have one, two, three. Four, five. You have seven home games. Alabama and Georgia are two of them. Mississippi State's another one. They're coming off a bye. You have to play at Auburn, at A and M, at Arkansas, at Florida. You're playing Miami and Dallas. Like this is a miserable schedule. This is why I think LSU's high water mark is eight wins, and why LSU fans need to be realistic about what this season is. This is going to be a miserable season. You're breaking in a new quarterback. You're breaking in a new, you know, uh, um, a, a new offense uh, under Emzinger. You know, I mean, and then you have the schedule from hell coming on top of it. And I just find it amazing. This is the first time since I think that Alabama season where the SEC has kind of hosed somebody, like they're hosing LSU. And I wonder – you know, if that does give, you know, if LSU goes six and six, let's say, does Ogeron get a pass because A, it's a rebuilding year, and B, oh my God, schedule from hell? Because I, mean, I think he should. A, I think any coach who gets hired, unless he does something egregious like DJ Durkin at Maryland, um, should get up four years because you need a full recruiting cycle to get in. Ogeron's only in a second, this will be a second season. But, I mean, you also have to look at extenuating circumstances like this. And it also, I mean, it really intrigues me. Where LSU should be pretty good next year, they're going to have to go to Alabama. Where, you know, it, it would almost be better if they could just flip that game um, and play them at Bama this year. It's just, it's miserable. And this is, you know, going through all the team schedules, this is the one, the first one I looked at and went, damn, that's bad. Yeah, that's- it's, it's pretty bad. I mean, especially when you're a team struggling. Uh, you don't know your identity yet. Your coach is on the hot seat, and you have a schedule like that. That's a good way to get him fired. But hopefully their AD or president, whoever's looking at that schedule and understanding the odds are stacked against them, regardless of how good they are. So, anyway, guys, I'm going to have to roll. We'll be back on Sunday night. Well, maybe not. I'm on vacation, so I'm going to have to find a way to get on air Sunday night um, to get here and review some college football. So be there Sunday night at 7, 7.30-ish. I'll let you know. Um, I'll be on vacation at the beach, so hopefully it'll be it'll be a, a celebration week from vacation with an Auburn win over Washington. So we'll mm-hmm. see, guys. Thanks for joining. Take care. And, guys, Jason, especially enjoy your college football. I know that Oregon game is going to be a tough one for you. Take care, everybody. (laughs) Uh, All right, Brian, take it easy.